this is the Fearless Fathers Podcast, a podcast for you, the fathers who suffer in silence every single day. Come with us as we hit those main topics that are just burning through your soul. It's going to get uncomfortable, it's going to be fun, and together we will become fearless. Hello again, our fearless family. Thank you again for tuning in for another Thursday interview episode. That is right, they are back. It's Fearless Father style. It's Davo on the mic. It feels great to be back again after two weeks away. I love it. I'm pumped. I'm super pumped about this one as well, too, guys. So we just played you the episode of this not too long ago where I was a guest on another podcast, Being a Present Father and Grandfather, where I got to spill a lot of my stuff. You got to hear a little bit more about me and how I tick and where I come from. Now, today, we're going to flip the script on that. So the dude who interviewed me, I brought him onto the show. Super pumped about this one. It is Arnolfo Perez, as we call Nolfo Perez in the podcasting community. He agreed to sit down with us and share his thoughts on what makes him tick as a fearless father, the stigmas and everything that he went through and just everything that he's done as a father, as a grandfather, and just kind of going from there. It's, it's really great that we're doing this. And I'm super pumped about it, and I want to welcome you to the show, Nofal. Hey, man, glad to be here. I'm I'm excited about it as well, Dave. Man, I'm glad to, I'm glad we're able to do this again. Oh, 100 percent, man, 100 percent. I'm I'm totally looking forward to it. So, without me babbling on too much here for our family today, uh, Nofal, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself, where you come from, and all that stuff? Ah, uh, yeah, sounds good. Uh, okay, so uh, as Dave mentioned, my name's Arnolfo Perez. Uh, I do go by Nufo. It's a lot easier to say than Arnolfo, right? So I grew up in Keensville, Texas, and but I've kind of been living around pretty much across the United States, you know, when lived a while in D.C., lived a while in Florida and Missouri, you know, and so forth. So matter of fact, I had my older son was born in uh, in Virginia and my younger son was born in Missouri, you know, and, and my wife's actually from Virginia as well. Yeah, but I guess oh, Dave wow. said I've got, yeah, I've got a podcast. It's called uh, Present uh, Father and Grandfathers. And it, it kind of mirrors a little bit of the same kind of topic. But I got two two grown sons. One's of 29, the other's 23. And I've got one grandson. You know, so it's I'm a new grandfather. Grandson's about three years old. You know, exciting. I love it. That's absolutely amazing. I, I love it. You know, your grandson's three. My son's just turning two about four days away from now. So. All right. All right. Yeah, absolutely amazing. The number one burning question I have since you're since you're a resident of Texas, are you a Cowboys fan or not? Oh, of course. How can I not be being that's from my Texas? boy? <laughs> that's my boy. Ryan would be like just churning right now in pure anger and rage. I love it. Love it. <laughs> so I'm super pumped to have you on. This is great. Like we talked about in the beginning, we're going to touch a little bit on your podcast as well, too, as we're going into it. But we're going to kick this off fearless father style. Number one, right off the bat, Nelfo, what's one of the best things that happened to either one of your children or your grandchild recently? Man, I tell you what, if if there's one thing that I love to talk about, it's it's my children and my grandchildren. So I hope I don't uh, kind of make this answer too long winded. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, so I, I can tell you, you know, a great thing that happened to each one of them. And, you know, as you know, my two sons are, you know, live on across the United States, one out in on in California and the others in North Carolina. So I don't really get to kind of see what they do on a daily basis or anything like that. But we do keep regular contact. 
And uh, mm-hmm. so I'll say like my older son, Brian, he lives out in North Carolina. You know, he's he's on the spectrum. And uh, I used to worry a lot about, you know, how he was going to be able to support his family, you know, and being on the spectrum, there's a lot of anxiety and, you know, a lot of social kind of issues and not being able to deal with, with you know, much of the public or the public doesn't really understand. Right. But he, he's high functioning. He, he does well. And, uh, you know, he's got a he's got a great job. So the good thing that happened to him here recently was, you know, he just got certified on a lot of the power equipment, including forklifts and stuff. So, oh, nice. you know, that yeah, that's that's amazing. You know, and the reason I was concerned, like, you know, he's 29 and just now is he finally getting into having a kind of a stable, stable job and stable future, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, that's, that's exciting. And then moving on to my, to my grandson, you know, again, three, yeah, you know, he's, he's amazing. He's also on the spectrum. He's kind of, kind of young, but he's displaying a lot of the same characteristics and stuff that, you know, but, you know, it's, it's almost like watching my, my older son, it's like watching him grow up again. And uh, so, you know, at, I mean, at two years old, he knew the alphabet and could count and stuff like oh, that. Wow. And yeah, even now at three, man, he can he can tell you all the planets in an order, you know, including the giant dwarfs and stuff. And what? Yeah, it's just amazing. So, uh, you know, he's he's so the good thing on him is, is you know, he is now starting to eat with with his utensils with fork and spoon and stuff regularly now and you know my son told me that the other day and I was like oh that's awesome and and the reason I mentioned that is because you know kids they, they kind of develop differently right they have different mm, right. different stages and stuff like that some kids can master the utensils a little earlier you know some master it a little bit later than others you know and so the good thing is you know every one of these little milestones that I get to hear about and my son shares and we, you know, video chat with, with my grandson. And I mean, uh, man, I love it. You know, even though we're far away, I wish I was there with him, but at least we're able to, to kind of talk and, and, uh, as soon as he sees me, it's grandpa, you know, and it's like, that's great. Cause <laughs> I, I want him to remember, you know? Right. It's crazy too. Like in today's world, how you have that technology to do that on a, con- on a consistent and continual basis too. So no matter how far away you are, it, it's almost like you're there in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. And, and you know, it's funny because when, when my younger son was about five years old or so, yeah, about four or five, we moved, we used to live near my parents and we moved to Missouri and, you know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think about it. Hey, we're moving as a, me, me and my family, we're moving to Missouri to continue on, you know, my career and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. I didn't realize the impact to my parents. Right. Right. And now I feel it, man. Cause it's like, Man, my grandson now lives, you know, a thousand miles away. And now I know how probably my parents felt taking their grandson, you know, a thousand miles away. So let me tell you about my younger son. Though. So, you know, yeah, we're talking about good, good things about, you know, all of them. It's like, you know, he, he lives in California, right? And, and you know, he, great things seem to happen to him all the time. I mean, he may not think so sometimes, you know, but, you know, he, he's, he's like a go-getter. He's always setting goals and he's reaching his goals, you know, and, you know, and this isn't recent, but just to give you an example of the kind of person he is, he since he was like eight years old, late or nine, he always wanted to be an actor. And uh, you know, we, we you know, it's hard to like how do you how do you become an actor? How do you get someone into that? And so we finally got him into the industry when he was about sixteen. You know, and so we started you know working that at that point we finally got 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 him introduced to it. And so he set a goal that he would be on a series by the time he graduated high school. Oh, wow. And uh, 
Yeah, and it's just thinking, wow, wow, that's that's a pretty strong. I mean, just starting out, and you you, you gonna want to be <laughs> yeah. in a series, you know? And, and you know, I mean, yeah. I I, just, I supported him, right? Yeah, way to go. Well, while he while he was in high school, he was working on that goal. He got booked on a role here and there. He got like a, a subway commercial and a couple of other you know episodes on some shows and stuff, right? And then graduation came, you know, and he graduated. No no series regular yet, you know, and we mm-hmm. he ended up getting accepted to university of texas okay we're at, at ut we're at, we, it's a it's a summer i think it's like june and he's at we're at orientation getting him ready for the fall semester and you know he gets a call from his agent and says hey nickelodeon wants you in miami for a series and it's like oh, oh wow. man yeah i said what do i do dad i'm getting ready to start college you know and, and uh, i'll tell a little bit more about in one of the, some of the other you know later things as we talk more about it but you know i said hey man what do you want to do you you make the choice you know mm-hmm. and uh, so he he gave up college and went to to miami to be in nickelodeon you know so you know so it's kind of a long story short he was booked on that series so he met his goal and you know now he lives in la and he's booked several other roles and um you know that's amazing of, yeah matter of fact he called me a while back and and he said that he came across this letter that he wrote himself in, in high school you know, as part of a class project, they got to write a letter on where they think they're going to be a few years after graduation. Mm-hmm. And in that thing, it said that he was going to be living in L.A. And he said, Dad, it's wow. crazy. I'm sitting here in L.A. reading this letter that I wrote in high school, you know. And just looking back on it, that that's absolutely insane. That, yeah. That is such an amazing story just to hear that from, you know, from all three alone. I mean, you know, you're sitting there talking about it. I'm just thinking like how you're saying your, you know, your three-year-old grandson, he's talking the alphabet and knowing all the planets and working with utensils and all that. And I look at my son and it's like, the, it's like the same thing. And like you said, everybody, every child develops differently where your child is doing, you know, one thing where another child is doing another thing, but they have their own strengths that they build upon from that and then get better. And then with your son and getting a booked on a series, I mean... Just following the goals and, you know, you know it and I preach all the time, like the universe guides you where you need to be at any one time. Exactly. And just the fact that he's getting ready to go to school, it wasn't what he wanted to do, but here it was saying, hey, we have this series for you. You met your goal. And like that just that gave me chills just hearing that. I I absolutely love it. It's unbelievable. And, you know, I I can say that that everyone kind of. I guess masters different skills at different levels and stuff. Growing up, mm-hmm. my two sons, they're five years apart, but they each met those different milestones at different stages. You know, they weren't they weren't like, hey, when they turned two, they hit this. They did no, it was like one was was sooner than the other one and on some things and and vice versa, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, you you almost can't put and say, wow, well, everybody else is hitting it at this age. Why isn't my son or my daughter? You, you can't. They're all on they all on their own their own pace, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, me and my wife right now, we're going through that same thing where it's like, oh, he should be doing this. It's like, no, no, it's fine, you know. Like I, I even have to remind myself sometimes of like taking a step back and just saying, he's exactly where he needs to be right now. Exactly. And I think that's a big problem for a lot of parents is we build these expectations early on or we hear the American average, so to speak, of this is where your kid should be. And if they're not here, there may be something wrong. But in reality, that's not true. It's far from the truth. We we build like this arbitrary set of guidelines that say now 
obviously there's exceptions to those rules and if there's problems obviously you have to go and seek medical help but for the majority of it to me it's like it's almost like an arbitrary set of guidelines that say if your kids here they're on pace or if they're not here then maybe there's something wrong or I don't know that that just seems to be me as a new dad I mean obviously you've experienced quite a different slew of things but that that's just kind of how I see like how all that goes Oh, no, that you're exactly right, man. Exactly. I mean, all those things are just averages and, you know, like the whole bell curve, normal distribution of stuff. But, Mm -hmm. you know, every child is where they are at that point because that's where they're supposed to be. Uh, Right. And things that's where they're supposed to be for them. Right. And so everybody has their own pace. That's like us, you know, and, and our peers. You know, someone may have certain skills that they're doing that I don't have or I have that they don't have. It does. It's OK because it's me that I'm, you know, I'm not worried about what anybody exactly. where everybody else is at. It's where, where am I? You know, how am I doing? Right. But yeah. So so the good thing, you know, back back kind of the question, I, I almost didn't finish this one was, was a good thing that happened to my to my younger son here recently was, you know, with this pandemic thing, the the, 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 the entertainment industry hasn't been working, man. He hasn't had any auditions. You know, it's, it's getting, getting pretty tough, you know, so, you know, they got to come up with ways to, he's got to figure out how to make some money and stay, stay active and keep, keep going. And so he just finished um, a music video um, for one of his songs and uh, it hasn't been released. Yeah. It hasn't been released yet, but you know, the video is being edited right now, but it'll be released soon. Amazing. And I mean, not, not to draw, not, not to deviate too far from this, but you said something that I want to hit quick before we move on to the next question here was, the fact that like this pandemic it's it's such a negative thing that's going on in the world right now and it's causing us to think differently in the world and step away from the status quo and i mean i look at it and and it almost seems like i got into podcasting right at the like right at the heart of the pandemic and i believe you did as well too right and just to see the amount of people that are going out there and doing things maybe to cure boredom or to find a new pivot to make a little extra money I, I mean, this to me, when I look at it on a mindset schedule, was a challenge for all of us to say, now's the time to go out there and attack your passions, attack your dreams, and just crush it. Yes. Yes. I I see nothing but great fire coming out of here, family guys. So, j- family guys, <laughs> can you tell I've been gone for a few weeks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to have a ton of fire. I see it now. We're only one question deep. We're hitting back into it. I got Nolfo Perez on the mic with us today. Brother, what would you say is one of the biggest stigmas that maybe held you down as a father? And how did you really overcome that? You know, I, I, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough question kind of, because, you know, there, there's so many stigmas that affect, you know, men in general, you know, and, and especially when it mm-hmm. comes and, and associate that with fatherhood and stuff like, you know, like the, the stigma of certain types of dads that, that, you know, the ones that are not active in their children's lives or, you know, the ones who mm-hmm. don't support their children, the dads that only see the negative and, and make their feel, they make their children feel like, you know, they're not perfect enough, you know, then, then right. you've got the, the stigma that the dad is the disciplinarian and the child rearing is up to the mom that the mom does all the parenting and the father just provides a roof over the heads, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so there's, so there's all kinds, I mean, you go on and on about the different types of stigmas oh, yeah. and, and stuff that go on there. But, um, uh, when, when I, when I first learned that, that I was going to be a dad, you know, I mean, I was scared, right. 
but I was excited mm. at the same time. And, um, and so, so to address that stigma of, of dead, of kind of, uh, for lack of better terms, deadbeat dads, right? Those who right. You know, get, get girls pregnant and then bail, right? Well, I wasn't going to be that type of person because, you know, so, so me and my wife, we had our first son out of wedlock, you know, I'd, I'd only been seeing my wife for about three months. You know, I've only known, I'd only known her for like, you know, less than six months when, when she became pregnant. And so I could have easily just, you know, bailed and said, Hey, I'm not ready for this. I'm gonna, you know, I'm not going to take this responsibility. I don't even know you. I, I could have easily just followed that stigma of, you know, forget it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's your problem. Right. And not taking responsibility. Matter of fact, my wife was scared because she thought that is exactly what I was going to do. She thought that, Oh man, she was scared to death because, you know, I, she didn't know who I was. She only known me for about six months, you know, and you know, here we are, she's pregnant and you know, she's going to, was she going to be left holding the bag, you know? And so, um, no man. So I, 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 I took the responsible route and here we are, man, we're 29 years married, you know? And still going That's strong. Amazing. But like I said earlier, I know I, I was scared and I was excited at the opportunity to be a dad. And I was going to take and accept that responsibility and be there for my child. Right. I wasn't going to be just a, sper- a sperm donor. So now that I'm a dad, I start thinking, you know, how do I become a dad? Because the only example of how to be a dad I had was from my dad. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like there's no other there's, you know, there, there, there's not a book that says here's how here's how you can be become a dad. These are the things you do. You you learn from your experiences from your dad. Right. And my, my dad was a great dad. I, you know, I thank him for for making me the man that I am, you know, but and, and there's always that. But right. No matter no matter how good of a father we yep. think we are, there's always some areas that we could have been better. And, that imposter and so, syndrome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so from that standpoint, you know, we talk about stigmas, you know, another stigma, like I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, is that that stigma of raising children is mom's job. And, you know, the dad mm-hmm. home, dad brings home the bacon and the mom cooks it in the pan type of stuff. Right. And uh, so, like I said before, my, my dad was great, but he followed that stigma. You know, he was he was supportive, but he was not involved, you know, when I was younger. And mm-hmm. I don't I don't remember him ever being at any of my school events or any of the baseball games or, or anything, you know, the, the only thing he attended was my college graduation. Wow. You know, education was, was a big thing for him, but growing up, man, you know, like little league and all that stuff. I mean, not even at the games. I don't think I ever remember him going to the games, you know, I mean, his job in his mind was to provide for the family and he did a great job of that, you know? And, and so I told myself, I'm not going to be like that. Right. I, I, I was involved in those diaper changes. I was involved in school activities. I coached baseball with when my son started to play, you know, I was even an assistant cub master when my son, you know, got involved in scouting, you know, I attended every single football game that my son played and I attended his practices. You know, I, I was gonna, you know, break that stigma of, Hey, I, I'm not, I'm just providing mom, you take care of the child rearing. I was I was going to be involved, and I was. But strangely enough, during that period of fatherhood, even though I was involved and active in my children's lives, I occasionally fell into the practice of that stigma from the standpoint of being the disciplinarian, right? 
Mm-hmm. And so I was not a good dad during a portion of that. And, and I remember what, what kind of made me really think about that more was, you know, like I said, we got our son into acting when he was about 16. And so me and my younger son, we spent a lot of time on the road, man. We were living in Florida. We were driving to Alabama, to New Orleans, you know, for auditions and to roles and stuff like that. And so we spent a lot of time in the car talking. And, and I think what that did is it really got it, us to know each other a little bit better, not just father and son, but more as human beings, you know, and, and friends. And it gave him an opportunity to just open up to me. I mean, we talked about everything from from A to Z. And, you know, he was sharing with me a lot of stuff, you know, honestly, right? Honesty. And he said, he said to me, he said, you know, dad, he said, when I was younger, I did not like you. And, and man, I tell you, I, I mentioned this phrase a lot because it was a tremendous impact on me to hear your son say that he doesn't, did not like you. I mean, and, and he, I start wondering, wow, if, if he didn't like me, I wonder if my other son felt the same way. Right. You know, I think I changed a lot from that point on from a standpoint of, of of support and the type of father I was. Even though I was active prior to that, I still was was not a good dad because I, I mean, for, obviously I didn't do something right for the children to be. Mm-hmm. They were afraid of me and, you know, didn't like me and, you know, probably glad when I wasn't home, you know. Right. Right. Those stigmas of, you know, dad being the hard nosed disciplinarian and you know you always hear that thing wait till your dad gets home right i wanted to break that i i mean that yes a hundred percent i mean i want to hit on i want to hit on quite a bit of that because that was just some amazing stuff guys i hope i pray you took notes on what nofo just said there because there was just so much great stuff out of there I'm going to hit first and foremost off of when you said that you were you were expecting your first son. You easily could have went the route, like we said, the deadbeat dad route and said, I'm not ready for this. I'm going to walk away and I'm not going to do anything about it. And I'm just going to, you know, I'm not, I, I, this isn't me. I need to walk away. And like you said, your wife was fearful and had anxiety that you were going to do that. For all of us, I mean, for every one of us as a human being, it's so easy to fall into those negative traps of like, I can't do this. I'm going to walk away. I know my safe space. I don't want to get uncomfortable. But what did you do? You you jumped into the deep end and said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be the best damn father I know I can be. Even though it's not something I want to do, this is a route that I'm going to take. and I'm going to take with pride. And not only am I going to do that, I'm going to learn from my experiences growing up even though I had a great father or supportive father, he wasn't a present father. And being there and just saying, I'm going to be the most present father I could be to instill that in my kids that I'm always there. Taking those experiences that you learned and just saying, this is not who I'm going to be because I learned from my dad. And that's what we all do. We all learn from our fathers and just saying, well, this is the way my dad did it. So this is the way I got to do it. But just by going, this is the way my dad did it. I didn't like this. So I'm going to take what I didn't like and make sure that my kid has a better childhood growing up than what I did instead of just following that status quo and the same pain that you went through growing up. 
I mean, just even off of that alone, like you even said with your with your other son, how he said that he didn't like you growing up and just being present, but even knowing that you're still learning and you're still building off of what you did. Yeah, I'm going to be the most present father I could be. I'm also a disciplinarian, but man, there were things that I didn't do. So what, what did you have to do? You had to improvise, adapt, overcome the situation exactly. and learn from your past mistakes. I mean, that all right there is massive, massive, massive mindset mastery. You know, we're getting into that mindset mastery thing of your mindset controls the future you're going to take, the road you're going to take. And this is the way that you're going to beat those and become better. And I mean, brother, that is the absolute pinnacle, I think, of what of what it truly means. Yeah. And so, you know, and you, you mentioned a good point there, Dave, that, you know, we, we continually learning. We are continually learning. And, you know, just because we did something one way or because we made mistakes doesn't mean that that's the end, man. We can correct it and go, you know, starting today, going forward, we can be that, you know, we can fix that mistake and be better or change or, or whatever. You know, you don't let your past be who you are. You learn from your past and you grow from your past. And speaking of learning and growing from that, what would you say was like a piece of advice that helped mold you into the father that you became? Man, I tell you, I, I don't, I don't think there was one particular piece of advice that molded me into the dad that I am. I think it was a series of advices, you know, from okay. not only, yeah, not only from my dad, but from different people and, and even from my own children, you know, uh, for example, when my son said that statement about, you know, he didn't like me when I was younger. I mean, that made a change in me. And I even got some other great advice from uh, from an effective father seminar that I attended several years ago. Probably, well, my, my kids were younger, you know. And that really made me think about, you know, what dad's responsibility is. Overall, me and me as a father, you know, I changed over the years, right? I look back at the at the kind of dad that my dad was, and and you know, when I think about it from the standpoint of of what advice helped mold me. As I mentioned, my dad wasn't present, but and he was he was supportive. And one of the things that I take from him is the example that he set, and that's what what molds me and what I am today. And and I say his example because you know it was he was a very supportive dad in our decisions, right? I mean, he really didn't preach much. He didn't go to me and say, "I told you so." You know, you don't do that. Blah blah blah. He never never did that kind of stuff. He would kind of let us experience life, make our decisions. And if we failed, he was there to pick us up, dust us off, and head us in the right direction. Quick example, or, or another example is, you know, remember I told you his comment was, education is very big for him. Mm -hmm. And he used to always say is, the one thing I can give you that no one can take away is your education. Because, I mean, he didn't have uh, college or I don't even think he graduated from high school. You know, I mean, he he you know, he had a, he had a rough childhood. He didn't have a father figure in his life and everything like that. But everything he learned was from my mom's parents, you know. And and so in his mind, education was big and he always hoped that I'd go to college. And, you know, there are some things that that happened that I ended up dropping out of high school, but I ended up eventually getting into college. And, uh, and I remember 
making a decision to stop going to college to go drive a truck. And here I am, I'm coming to him saying, I'm quitting college and I'm going to go drive a truck. Most dads would probably say, no, you're not. You're going to stay in school whether you like it or not. And I'm going to make you go to school and get your degree because that's what's best for you. No, he didn't do that. He supported me. He helped me move. I I went, I lived in, I went, moved to San Antonio to drive a truck and did that for about a year, year and a half, you know, and man, I got tired of going, living check, paycheck to paycheck. And I remember, you know, after a while I called him, I said, Hey dad, um, can I come back home? He says, yeah, man, he's next day. He's over at my apartment with a trailer and we're loading my stuff and going back and back into school. Right. And, uh, so, and I graduated. And so I took, I took, I took that example of my dad and I used that with my kids. My son, Brian, my, my older son, he, he's loved music. I mean, he was always into music and stuff. And man, I don't know how many guitars we bought him and, you know, different stuff. Um, but then even when he was like 20, 21 years old or something like that, you know, he had, he's, he, he, had gotten these tattoos anyway. He wanted to, to be a tattoo artist, right? And and uh, and so, man, we we got him a whole tattoo kit and everything, so that he has all the equipment that he needed to become a tattoo artist, you know. And um, yeah, he did the little that for a little bit, not too long, and then till the till the new wore off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's 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 kind of I'd say the the biggest thing that probably molded me the dad I am is you know, how my dad did it. Aside from not being present during those other young things, the, the supportive side of him and being there for me when I failed. And so I never feared, I said, I shouldn't say I never feared because I did always feel fe- feared failure, but I knew that if I failed, my dad was there to help me. I think that's like the biggest takeaway is the fact that your dad was always there. And even though he said that education was number one, there was still that sense of self-education, right? You said it, you said it yourself, you know, you went to college, you dropped out and you went to go drive truck. And most parents would be like, like you exactly said, no, you're finishing school. You're, you're not going to ruin your life over this. But instead you took that as self-education, right? Real world experience, real education. What happened after a year and a half, it didn't pan out the way you thought. And he welcomed you back in open arms and said, let's go out. And you, you finished it. I mean, and I think that's, that, that's a huge takeaway from that is I'm a big believer in self-education, which is one reason why I do this podcast. Self-education for me is, you know, I claim it. I'm a proud community college dropout. I will, <laughs> I will, I will, I will speak that in my life, right? But just though, just that fact of him saying, "Yes, you need to have an education," and knowing where he came from, growing up and not having a high school education or a college education, and just saying, "I'm going to make sure that my kids get this what I didn't have." Again, it goes back to giving your children more of what you have, more of what you didn't have growing up, right? So by him doing that, I think paid huge dividends for you in the long run, because not only did you go back and get your degree and you didn't feel pressured to go get your degree, but you went out and tried something that you thought you would love, didn't really like it, didn't like the grind, went back and then finished. 
And I think that is massive when we have to think about it. You, you never, I mean, I never really think of it in that sense. Um, just from, you know, my, from my growing up and my understanding and always being pushed education, but it's really instilling that in not only yourself, but your children. Like you said, your oldest son wanted to be a tattoo artist. So what'd you do instead of saying, no, you're not going to be a tattoo artist. That's stupid. You're, you're going to focus on this. You're going to, you're going to do this, right? You went out there, you bought him a tattoo kit and I know I have tattoos. It's not cheap for the equipment. I get that. (laughs) Not in the slightest. But just by building that and allowing them to say, here, go ahead, do this. And then, like you said, the passion wore off, the new wore off, and off to the next project, right? But it's that allowing the self-education self, the the thought process of things, right, to go out there and try it and maybe not like it, but then you're going to be on to bigger and better things and take the experiences you learn from those to go do the next great thing. Yeah, exactly. You exact one hundred percent. You know, and, and as as you're saying these things, you know, I was thinking when we let when our kids go and play baseball or football or you know sports in school and stuff. It's it's I know that when I was there, they never said no, don't go into that, no, don't do that. It's like try it all because how do you know you don't like basketball until you try it? How do you know you don't like right. baseball until you try it? You know, for girls, how do you know if you don't like cheerleading if you don't try it or dance or or basketball or volleyball or whatever the case, you know, and, and same thing like you're talking about life experiences, you know, support your children in trying whatever they want to try. I mean, if it works out, that's great. And they, then they found their passion. If it doesn't, mm-hmm. that's OK, because there's always something else. You know, they've got that experience. And uh, I, I'm just thankful and blessed that I was able to do that because I had that support structure, you know, uh, my, my father and my mom and that, that kind of, you know, said, Hey, I'm here to catch you if you fall, but don't be afraid to try go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm always one for jumping into the dive in and not mainly having a fallback, but at least having a plan of attack. But I mean, going through life and having that mentor, right? Your parents are your mentors. They're the ones that are guiding you and lifting you up. For me, that's what your mentor is supposed to do. Your parents are supposed to do is they're supposed to say, go out there and explore the world. Make your own mistakes in life. If you screw up or if something happens, come back. We're going to redirect. We're going to we're going to see what happened and we're going to get you back on the right path. Exactly. Right. Instead of saying, don't do the stupid stuff. You're going to follow this path. And then what happens? You fall out of that path and then it becomes a back. It becomes a ping pong. You, you become a ping pong yeah. ball at that point. I think I already know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, uh, just from the conversation that we've been having, which has been absolutely amazing for all of us, myself included, and our listeners today. When you're looking at your kids now and where they've come from and now having a grandson of your own, do you ever feel like you could have done more as a father? Absolutely, man. There um, there could have been a lot I should have done differently or, or you know, more as a father. Thinking about this, it's just like I'm, I'm, I'm wondering. I changed as a father throughout the years as my as my kids grew up. I, I learned patience. Uh, I learned to be a little bit more calm. I learned to be more supportive. I learned, you know, a lot of things. And you know, some of those things I wish that I would have done sooner, because you know maybe those relationships would even been a hundred percent more, you know, even better than they were that I have with my kids, right? But having them on one of my podcasts and things they were saying, I, 
I was like, I was scared when I had him on my podcast. I'm thinking, oh man, they're really gonna, they're really gonna say all this stuff about me. But you know, it, I remember it, that. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. It was okay. It was good. So I was like, oh, shit. but I think if if there was one thing that I could have done more of as a father, I think it would have been to love their mother more, be more respectful and nicer to their mother. That's an example that we give our kids. How we treat our wife slash their mother is how they're going to treat their spouse or their significant other. You know, for, for, for boys, you know, they're going to, if you don't respect and treat their mom right, they're not going to respect and treat girls that they have, you know, relationships with. Absolutely. And vice versa. If it's a daughter, you know, then they're going to think, oh, that's how men treat girls. So I'm going to go ahead and allow that to be treated that way, be allowed to be treated that way. And so I think that, you know, I could have done a, a lot better job at having more respect and being nicer to their mom. You know, I, um, I wasn't, I mean, I, I was um, probably the worst husband and not in the standpoint of, of verbal abuse or anything like that, but it's just for the standpoint of that, that whole love connection, you know, um, I was debating to say this, but I'm I'm going to say it. I'm just going to say it out loud because I, I I own it, and that was my mistake. But I mean, I I had an affair, and that really tested our marriage completely, you know. And uh, not only did it affect our relationship as a husband and wife, but it affected my relationship as a father, you know. Because what did I show my kids? I showed my kids that that that's okay. And so, but, but we've talked about that with, you know, with my, me and my kids and, you know, and especially, you know, my, my wife taught, telling them how wrong that is, you know, and, um, but, but that's, that's what I wish I could have done more of is love my, my wife better, love their mother better, treat her with respect and not to have, you know, disrespect her that way. I was not expecting that answer. I'll be, I'll be completely honest. <laughs> um, no, and 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 just from the standpoint of that, you're you know you're thinking of your children, and I, I'm one to admit this wholeheartedly to you know keeping the spouse out of it or not showing the affection as far as the spouse is concerned. Right? We as fathers, we're the problem solvers. We're the we're the manly men. We're the ones that have to go out there, and then you even hit it as well too. Right? How? We said it. We've been saying it the whole episode. Your parents are your mentors growing up, right? They're going. They're going to show you how life is, or what the perception of life is going to be once you're grown up and out of the house. So, if your father is not always present with with your mom, that's what you think is going to be. Or, you know, if you come from a family of divorce, like I've said all the time, and your parents are constantly fighting, that's what you think relationships are. And I really, I really, I mean, truly love that, that outlook on, I could have done so much better as a husband to my wife that would have shown more for my kids and could have potentially changed so much down the line for them. Exactly. And just the fact that you were able to share such an intimate, you know, an intimate thing and own up to it as well right because that's the thing like you embrace that you know i did it 
this happen. The universe happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. You were able to take that, hit some rocky waters, but I'm sure you came out stronger and better now than you would have if that had happened. Well, I like to think so. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it would have been a lot better if it had not had happened, but, but you're right. We go through some of these experiences and, you know, sometimes we don't know why. And sometimes we just, we just mess up. Right. And, uh, but, but the key is, I mean, just because we mess up doesn't mean that that's the end of things. You know, you just, you learn from your mistakes, you learn and you get better and you move on. Learning from your past, not letting your past dictate who you are, but knowing that it's going to get you better than where you were, I think is the biggest takeaway out of all this, that and communicating. I mean, we say it all the time. Communication is crucial in all of that. Had you not have communicated, it could have been a lot worse in that whole situation than, you know, it wouldn't be 29 years. It it would have probably been done and over with, I'm, I'm sure of. Yeah. But just being able to communicate that and talk that to your children and say, hey, this happened. I'm not Superman. I made a horrible mistake. You know, your wife's saying, like, this is not okay. And being able to tell that to your children to say, hey, this is not acceptable. And now what does that do? That that gets them into a different mindset, into a different way of thinking if they ever would have caught you or something saying, oh, well, this is the way that it has to be, right? Now you communicate that to your kids instead of just hiding it from them and keeping it the deep, dark family secret and hope nobody ever digs it up. Now you release some of that. You you let your kids in on what's happening. You know, this this is what happened. Should it have ever happened? No. But we're going to grow from this. We're going to get stronger from this. And we're going to weather this storm at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. So when we're looking at fatherhood, like especially in today's world from where you were as a father... Do you see the fathers now getting stronger or weaker as far as like being a father than where you were when you were raising your children? Yeah. You know, there's, it's definitely different, right? I mean, um, I think as a, as a society, fatherhood is probably weaker just because of the, the whole degradation of morals and respect that, that that's, that's going on. It's a little bit, it was probably there before, but not maybe as, as public or as uh, uh, relevant or not relevant, but as, as evident, you know? Um, sure. So, so also the whole lack of respect for authority and, you know, I mean, is some of that stuff has really, really changed a lot over the years. And, um, you know, I mean, talking back about parents being the mentors and, you know, how they learn from us. I mean, our children learn to be adults from us, right. From, from mm-hmm. their parents father especially father you know and they don't they don't follow what we say they follow what we do right yes i mean we can tell them you know no no don't cuss but yet we cuss up a storm what are they going to do they're going to say well as soon as i become an adult i can cuss up all i want because that's what adults do they cuss you know as as they get their license we start and start to drive right we tell them you know hey you got to drive defensively be careful don't do this and you know drive safe and all this stuff but all the years before leading up to them getting their license what were they doing they were observing your driving habits right and so mm-hmm. what are they going to pick up as drivers they're not going to pick up the stuff that you tell them they're supposed to do they're going to pick up the stuff that they saw you do driving and so if if you're driving bad that's how they're gonna that's they're gonna do so yeah we we tell our boys we tell our boys to respect girls 
but then we don't we don't treat their moms with respect. How will boys treat girls in their lives, right? But but more importantly, how will the daughter expect to be treated by their future husbands if we don't treat and their mother with respect? And it goes back to the last question where I was talking about that, right? As as we see the the degradation of these values, you know, fatherhood I think kind of con- will continue to get weaker, and and even vice versa, you know, kind of like a catch twenty two, right? As fatherhood gets weaker, we're going to see a lot of the degradation of these societal societal values, you know, just because we're 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 the teachers, we're the mentors, we're the ones that that set that standard for our children who are going to set the standard for their children and so forth and so forth. So it's, it's important to kind of, it's a never ending building block. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, and I think you hit it right. Like, you know, I, I see it. I I always see this as a double-sided coin for me. Like I see it getting stronger in the fact that we're breaking away from stigmas and we're, you know, we're taking on more of a, of a, of a scene role out there, but I love how you said like the degradation of respect and the degradation of like empathy even. Yes. And I feel like that comes from, I feel like that really comes from like today's unprecedented world, right? Like the social media world where 20, 25 years ago, this wasn't happening or it was never seen in public light. Like you were saying, you know, now we have the universe at our fingertips and we live in such an unprecedented world right now that this 30, 40, 50 years from now is going to set the stage exactly like what you were saying for future generations to come. Well, this is what my parents did. This is how they raised you know, my great-grandfather or my grandparents. Or It's unfortunate that it's, that it's going to be such a building block that you know, we see this happening and we know it's not the right answer. But we almost feel trapped that we can't do anything or that we're not going to have a voice strong enough to stand up and say, hey, this is wrong. We need to take a step back and really reevaluate the entire situation at hand. Exactly. Yeah. And and this is why this podcast, you know, this podcast, my podcast, other podcasts on on fatherhood or parenting are are so important because it's Mm -hmm. it's kind of those reminders, right, for us who are parents and and leading, you know, our children into adulthood and stuff. It's reminders of of what exactly our response, what our exactly our responsibilities are. You know, what are we, what are we, what is our role in not just as being a father or mother or whatever, but our role in society? Because we are teaching, raising children who are going to be teaching, raising the next generation, the next generation, and so forth. And so that's why these podcasts and information is so important to, to get out there. I couldn't agree anymore. And I, I want to hit on one other thing that you said as well, too, was the our children observe exactly what we do, right? We mm-hmm. can tell them anything we want under the sun, but it's what with what they see us do is how they're going to analyze and control life. And just today at the date of this recording, I was out with my wife and my son and we we're at the mall and th- this is just little, but it made me, it made me think of this. Right. So I'm sitting there at the elevator and waiting for it to, we're waiting for it to open and I'm sitting there, I'm doing the magic hands, right? Like pretending like it's going to open and waiting for it and it's taking forever. And I'm just sitting there like waving my hands in front of this elevator. And I look over and there's my son in his stroller doing the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, that's, 
that that's absolutely hysterical that he's doing that. But it made me think that something as small as that, right? Your kids idolize you. He sees me doing magic hands in front of an elevator. So he thinks that's what you're supposed to do. And then it makes you think like, how many times do you get road rage when somebody cuts you off and your kids in the back seat and they hear that, you know, something small like that is such a self-realization to something a lot bigger down the line that you don't even think of. You're exactly right, man. You, that, that's a perfect example. And, and you, I mean, you saw that even at two years old, at two years old, mm-hmm. he is looking up to you and idolizing you and doing everything that you do, you know, and, and that's what they're, and they're, they do that all the way, you know, like we talked, I think on, in, in our last podcast or some, you had mentioned, or someone mentioned that, you know, the, the early years are the most impressionable years of a child. And that's where their yep. minds are, are growing and mentally and that, I mean, those are important years, right? My, my speaking of that same thing, I was talking to my older son, right? And one of the things that, that he um, got introduced to from one of, one of uh, uh, an uncle of mine was Fritos and potted meat. You dip a Frito and potted meat, he'd eat like a, like a dip. Okay. So, so he was sitting there and, and, uh, and he was, he was eating that. And my grandson was looking at him, he said, right. And he was wondering, you know, he kind of got a weird look. And then, so my grandson got a chip, dipped it into the potted meat and tasted it himself, you know, cause it's like, Hey, dad's eating that. I want to try it. It wasn't like he offered it. He just, he just said, well, I'm going to try that too. You know? And, and that's exactly, they're, they're watching everything that you do. Even when you don't think they are, they are. Exactly. We have a few more questions here for Nolfo today. I mean, guys, I, I, I said it before and I'm going to say it again. I pray you're taking notes because my notebook's filled right now. I'm not even lying to you as we're sitting here talking. This is some great stuff. This is, you know, quote unquote, the most experienced father we have on this podcast today, dropping some incredible stuff, some stuff that I'm taking away from it. Take what he's saying that's going to work for you. Throw the rest away. You know, take these little bit of reminders and just this little bit of stuff to become better and stronger as we're going on. So as I'm saying that, Nolfo, what would you say is like the piece of advice or like the call to action that you would give to a new dad who may be listening today? You know, I think the advice I would give to a new dad is to kind of just be there for your children. I mean, nothing is better than building good memories, right? You know, not only that, but have fun with your children. I mean, share experiences with them, be supportive of their decisions. You know, just like I talked about earlier about, you know, and, and what you mentioned too, Dave, is, you know, the, the, the life lessons, right? The life education, you know, mm-hmm. um, but the one most, you know, you know why my children don't tell their parents things because they're afraid of they're getting petrified. in trouble. Exactly. They're petrified. They're scared of getting in trouble. And so they don't say things and they keep things hidden and they, mm-hmm. they don't talk. And they're afraid, not only that, they're afraid of disappointing them, right? They're afraid of disappointing their yep. parents because if they did something wrong, that their parents were going to, you know, think less of them, right? They're afraid of being rejected. You know, the fear list just goes on and on and on, you know? So, so I'd say don't instill fear in your children, Right. Let them know that no matter what they say, do, or have done, that you'll always love them. When my kids were younger, you know, and and like I mentioned earlier, man, they were afraid of me. They didn't confide in me, you know, because Mm -hmm. they saw me as a disciplinarian, right? But, you know, as they grew older and and I learned to be a better dad, you know, they started to kind of open up, you know? I mean, 
think about those those trips that I had with my younger son where we just talked. It was it was just a free flow talking. And he just started opening up with a bunch of stuff that I wish that I would have heard from him when he was younger, going through some of these things. Now, you know, my kids can talk to me about anything and they do. I mean, they call me for advice. They call me to share their experiences. They even call me to share their fears. I mean, my, my older son calls me whenever he's going through some anxiety or something or just fears him and just to talk, just to talk through that stuff. And it's like, I love it because they, they can come to me for that. And, and I, and I wish that I could have been that type of father when he was a teenager or a preteen, because can you, you know, you know what the kind of anxieties and fears preteens and teens go through and, and oh, yeah. just to think that they they could have come to me when they were going through that stuff and instead they didn't because they probably were afraid you know but but now they they tell me the things they've done in the past they they even tell me the things that they've gotten into now you know we talk and and they know that no matter what I love them and I support them and, and like I mentioned before my my only regret is that I wish I had built this type of relationship with them when they were younger you know I mean you still have to be the disciplinarian and maintain the the control, but you can do it in a loving way. You can do it in a supportive way. But the key is, is, you know, get into a relationship where they feel open to talk to you about anything. That's what keeps them safe, right? Because they know that they can come to you. You're a confidant. You are a confidant for your children. Exactly. As opposed to, man, I'm not going to tell my dad and he's going to crown me. He's going to, he's going to be pissed. He's going to, you know, (laughs) But if they come, they say, "No, I, I need I need to mention my dad because I, I did something bad. I, I, I wrong. my my younger son, he'll he'll come. He messes up. You know, he'll call me. He says, he says, Dad, he says I messed up. It's like, you know, and he'll tell me instead of you know, and and he knows that I'm not going to chastise him, uh, or, right? Or you know, get after him. It's going to be more of, you know, or even if I told you so, it's it's more of, well, you know, well, let's how can we solve it? What can we do to fix it? And and we'll we'll problem solve together. That's great, and it, and it builds that it builds that camaraderie. It builds that, well, like you said, it builds that confidence, and it builds that sense of being able to come to you with any issues or problems that they may have. Instead of being like, "Oh man, my dad's gonna kill me if he sees this," or "I I, I can't tell him that he's not he's not gonna be all about that." So, guys, if you're listening to that, that's a massive piece of advice. Just be present and don't instill fear. You know, you can instill discipline, but don't turn it into exactly. don't turn it into great fear. As we're finishing up today, like we talked about in the beginning of this episode, Nolfo is the host of Being a Present Father and Grandfather podcast, which is similarly close to the Fearless Fathers podcast in just where he talks about being a present father and grandfather as well. Um, and just sharing experiences, opening up things along those lines, breaking stigmas his way as well, too. It's an awesome podcast. So, Nofo, as we're finishing up this today, uh, where is it that our listeners can find your podcast if they want to check it out? And also, in your own words, what does it mean for you to be a fearless father? All right. Well, uh, yeah, you can you can catch my my podcast on, on anchor.fm, um, or you can also catch it on um, Google Podcast and Breakers. There's a few other podcasts, the uh, sites that you can catch it on. So, being a fearless father to me means being strong enough to be vulnerable. 
you know? And, and what I mean by that is being able to let down your guard and go against the stigmas, right? Show the real you and sharing your fears. I mean, it's, it's okay to be afraid and it's okay to let your children know you're afraid. It's showing your children how you to conquer those fears. Because man, I tell you, I don't care how tough we think we are. Everyone has fears, you know? Mm. And you know, the difference between a hero and someone who's not a hero, it's not the lack of fear. It's conquering those fears, right? Meeting up those fears and, and, and conquering it. It's, it's not letting those fears control you. And, and if you can teach your children how to manage fear, then they're going to be much more prepared to handle life. Because in life, there are a lot of scary things, you know? Like I mentioned, my, my two sons are total opposites when it comes to fears. And, and I kind of sometimes wonder whether they're different because of my style of parenting when they were younger. Because when my older son was younger, I mean, they're like five years apart. So, you know, my mm-hmm. younger, my older son kind of spent more experience with me as a new father, right? When I was a new dad and where I had a lot of fears, but I didn't show any of my vulnerabilities. I was, I was the the dad and I, I made this, you know, I, I'm, when I say goes and I'm not afraid of anything, you know, blah, blah, type of thing. Right. And, and I think as I softened when my, when my second son was born and stuff, um, or as I became older, I, I learned to manage my fears and, and share a little bit more. And so, you know, we always talk about our firstborns are the guinea pigs, you know, and, and uh, oh. we're learning how to be a father and we make a lot of mistakes with our firstborn than, than with our other children. But, but it, that's just it. Being a fearless father is, is recognizing that it's okay. We're going to be, we're going to make mistakes, but you know, we, we can fix it. We can get, do better. We can learn lean on on those that have have experience other experience right and what what who you see as a mentor your dad your grandfather your your uncles that that you see that that you think are are uh, are good fathers you know or, or fearless fathers um and, and when we say fearless and when i when i think of fearless you know i'm thinking of just that being being open to be vulnerable being being mm-hmm. able to you know let your your kids know you know, that, that, yeah, Hey, I'm afraid too, but we can work this together. Let's go through this together. Let him know that, that you're with them, that you support them, you know? And, uh, you know, that, that, that'll teach them so much to deal with, with life in general, just the, the scary things of life. I love it guys. So there you go. Being a present father and grandfather, you can find it on anchor FM. I know it's also on Spotify, iTunes and a couple other spots. But we'll have links to all of that for you guys in the description of this episode so you can go check out Nolfo Perez's amazing podcast on being a present father and grandfather. And guys, being a fearless father is being strong enough to be vulnerable. Being, I, I absolutely love that. Be strong enough to be vulnerable. It's okay to have fears. It's okay to be vulnerable. And it's okay to go out there and just crush it any which way you can. I want to thank Nolfo for being on the show today. Brother, thank you so much for being on here and just dropping some amazing fire for our fearless family. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you for having me, man. I, I love this. This is great. I'm excited that uh, that you invited me to the podcast. And, man, I I, I I hope that it was it was good information. And, 
and I, I wish you all the best for that. Say, man, thank you so much. It, it absolutely was some amazing information. Like I said, I think I, I think I filled probably about a page, page and a half worth of notes today just <laughs> off of this interview alone. So I know our listeners did, or at least took something out of way out of this. So guys, go check out Being a Present Father and Grandfather on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, all the podcatchers out there. Be sure, you know, go out and support us at fearlessfathers.net. Become a Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. We have our merch store up. You could go buy a mug. I haven't done a buy a mug plug in about three weeks, so that felt good right there. Uh, <laughs> go out there and just spread this word to other dads who might need the help. The other men who could use this mind shift change, right? Because as men, we're working to break that stigma one step at a time and one day at a time. Your children are learning and growing every single day, guys. Just because you're an adult does not mean you can't do the same. We just preached it on this show today. Go out there and just crush it. And together, we're going to embrace the fear. 